Well, we come to that pinnacle in a worship service where we have a privilege that should boggle the mind, and that is the privilege of opening up the Word of the Living God. So may I encourage you to do just that and to take your Bibles and to turn to the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23, as we continue our examination of this wonderful pastoral psalm. Having been in Christian counseling for many, many years, now over 20 years, and in the pastorate for about six years, I have encountered numerous heartaches in the lives of people. And some people I notice can cope very well and other people have a very difficult time. In fact, most people don't cope well when heartaches come their way. And that's why I believe the Lord would have me share with you over last week and this week and next week a bit about comfort, comfort in the valley, sometimes even the valley of the shadow of death. So we find ourselves once again in this wonderful psalm. Remember that King David, that great warrior king, is fleeing from his son Absalom, fleeing back into the wilderness. We established the context for all of that last week. And here this great warrior king is transcending his temporal woes, the heart-wrenching wicked betrayal of his own son and he is rehearsing the excellencies and the glory of the good shepherd of the sheep as David once again leaves Jerusalem with his entourage and goes into the wilderness where he many years earlier shepherded the sheep as a young boy. While his circumstances have his body in a desert wilderness, a very formidable desert indeed, his confidence in a faithful God has his soul somewhere else. And we've noticed that God has him lying in green pastures where he can experience the oasis of divine mercy and grace, where his personal shepherd attends to his every need. He has him being led beside the still waters, reminding all that would follow of the shepherd's tender care and and faithful commitment to sustain the ones that he loves with cool and refreshing waters of of his presence, of his Holy Spirit. And my, what a marvelous consolation that is, knowing that Jehovah God imparts an all sufficient grace regardless of the trial. And those of you that have been there in those valleys, in those difficult times in life, know that only the divine comforter can truly comfort you when your heart is breaking. Well, David also has been extolling the sovereignty of the shepherd here in this psalm as we've studied thus far because uh, he alone is the one who leads us in the paths of Righteousness for his name's sake. Paths that often require suffering. For the shepherd knows that it is in the crucible of affliction 
that we have the steel of our faith really being tempered for his service. And it is only within the furnace, shall we say, that furnace of adversity that we can really discover the infinite limits of the grace of God and taste deeply of that refreshing and satisfying water of his presence. You know, you really never appreciate cool water until you're really thirsty. And certainly the psalmist's soul is parched at this time in his life. And indeed, he expresses praise to the Savior because he is restoring his soul. Well, today we find ourselves in verse four. But rather than just looking at that verse, it's only six verses. Let me read the whole psalm to you so we get the flow of this wonderful psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. By way of review, the psalmist takes us to this to this valley of the shadow of death. Vivid imagery of those foreboding times in life that sometimes can cause us to lose perspective. To sometimes cause us to feel as though all is lost. And in desperation, we can sometimes feel as though the Lord has forsaken us when in truth, the Lord himself has brought us to that point as a personal, loving and sovereign shepherd. And he has taken us to that point in our life to somehow reveal more of who he is. As we were reminded last week, this is a place, first of all, we would never choose Naturally, the sheep tend not to know what to do that would be best for them. Our perspectives are hopelessly biased in our own favor. We are ignorant. We are blind. We are short-sighted. We are selfish. We're proud. And our minds are not only darkened by sin, but they are incapable of seeing all that is necessary to accomplish God's divine purposes in our life. I love the way Charles Swindoll put it, and I quote, From this side of glory, we see the tapestry from underneath. And it's full of knots and twisted threads and frayed ends that lack meaning and beauty. But from God's perspective, it is all under control. So our faithful shepherd marks out our paths of life knowing perfectly the end from the beginning, and then he gently leads us down, every one. And as he does so, imperceptibly, he conforms us more and more to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also learned last week that it is a lonely path. It is a time when we are cut off from all human help, teaching us to trust only in him for consolation and direction. And especially in the valley of the shadow of death, when all seems lost, when we feel as though we can't go on, 
It's suddenly at those times that we feel this indescribable presence of God in our life. That undeniable touch of the shepherd's hand, a touch that we would never notice if many other human hands were present, right? Child of God, may I I say to you this morning, if you have never felt this, I, I cannot explain it to you. But I can testify to the reality of it. And someday, if you've not been in that valley, you will be. And someday, when it's your turn to be led through that valley, and when it is your turn to be cut off from all human help, when it is your time to experience such anguish of soul that death seems to be the only possible means of relief, then you too will have that glorious opportunity to experience the touch of the shepherd, to feel his strong, delivering hand upon your shoulder. Indeed, the shepherd of our soul never leaves us, as we've discussed, and he never forsakes us. He is an ever-present in time of need. And I love that wonderful text that the psalmist gives us in Psalm 34. In verse 7, he says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. And then he goes on to say, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Well, we learned also that this is a well-traveled pathway. Many have gone on before you and we can find great comfort in this truth, knowing that even the Lord himself has been tempted in all things, even as we are yet without sin. Therefore, we read in Hebrews 4 that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses and we can therefore approach his throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and may find help in time of need. And then finally, by way of review, we learn that it is not necessarily a sinful pathway, although sometimes it can be. We do reap what we sow, but often it's merely a pathway of sanctification that the Lord is taking us through. And our response should be, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, that we should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. We are to cast all of our anxiety upon Him because He what? He cares for us. But today we focus on the pilgrim passing through this valley. And I want to draw your attention again to verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for Thou art with me. First of all, dear friends, notice this, that the pilgrim walks through the valley. He does not run, nor does he shuffle his feet in morbid depression, nor does he spin about in panic. We've all seen in the movies, have we not, that person that is constantly dealing with that yellow stripe up his back, that coward that just can't seem to face the enemy. And finally, there's that moment in the movie when He seems to conquer his fear. And all of a sudden, with a resolute determination on his face and with eyes of steel, he crawls out of his foxhole and looks the enemy in the eyes 
and he walks toward the enemy. That's the idea here. Certainly David knew such bravery as a young man facing the giant Goliath, facing the bear, facing the lion, and other things in his life. You know, the Apostle Paul reminds us of this too, how we must walk by faith, not by sight, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Why? Because we are fully confident, because of our faith, that the shepherd will do what he has promised to do. And that is to walk with us. That's why Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Dear friends, a man of faith walks with God. A man of sight runs ahead of him. A man of faith remains steady in the face of calamity, but a man of sight panics. A man of faith never quickens his step as he holds to the hand of the Lord of hosts. But a man of sight stumbles and staggers and and runs aimlessly into further peril, choosing to hold on to his own pitiful resources. A man of faith is calm in the face of adversity. Even though adrenaline may be pumping through his veins, he bravely continues to place one foot in front of the other, step by step, fearlessly trusting God, patiently waiting upon his shepherd to show him the way. Not so the man of sight. The man of sight doubts the promises of God and ultimately depends upon himself. And in the midst of that, and if you've ever been been there, you understand this when you're depending upon your own resources rather than God. In the midst of such calamity, in the midst of heartache and despair, if you're depending upon yourself, there will come a point in time when suddenly you will realize your lack of resources and also your lack of courage. And as a result of that, you will try to climb out of that valley any way you possibly can. And you will cry out for some human help, but typically to no avail. And then as your life begins to fall apart, you will be prone to curse God. And unfortunately and tragically, and how often I've seen this, you begin to collapse under the crushing weight of a burden that you need not bear alone. What a tragedy. It was about midnight in the South Pacific, July 30th, 1945. It was a hot night on the ocean that night, and USS Indianapolis had just delivered the components to the atomic bombs that were dropped at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The ship was moving across the water, And suddenly two Japanese torpedoes tore through the heavy cruiser. The first one severed 30 feet off the bow. And the second one hit aft near midship. The explosions were deafening as the magazines in the ship began to explode. And as the ship continued to move forward, 
with its giant engines moving it, even though 30 feet of the bow was cut off, the pressure of the water began to break the bulkheads. Panic ensued. There was chaos on the ship. Men were screaming. Many men were crying out for help as burned flesh hung from their arms and somewhat melted off their faces. There was a young Marine, 20-year-old, that stood on the deck of that ship as he saw the chaos and heard the screams of his fellow sailors. And as he heard the bulkheads breaking below, this 20-year-old Marine had an opportunity to look out into the vast deep that night and face a valley of the shadow of death. This Marine was my dad. And my dad tells me of the undeniable calm, some bedrock calm that coexisted in his soul at that moment with unimaginable fear. Truly a peace that surpasses all comprehension, as Paul says in Philippians 4. And over the next four and a half days, floating in the shark-infested Waters, my dad testifies how profoundly he experienced the presence of the Lord with him. Even when he watched many of his companions torn apart by the sharks and many of them died because of, the, because of drinking the water with mass hallucination, even though he experienced all of that, he was confident of God's presence with him. And I remember one of the things he told me, even as a young man, that I will never forget, as he would watch the sharks come underneath him, the men in their little kapok jackets would hold their legs up to try to avoid being taken by the sharks, and eventually you would hold your legs up until your stomach muscles could no longer do it. And as those legs would dangle there, all you could do is somehow cry out for a help that was beyond human help. And my dad talks about the assurance and the confident faith that the Good Shepherd had placed in his heart because he knew that the Lord had brought him to this place for his eternal purposes and that ultimately his life was in his control. And by God's grace, Dad rejoices with a little over 300 other men that survived the largest casualty at sea in the history of the U.S. Navy where approximately a thousand men lost their lives. And there's a testimony to the goodness of the shepherd that walks with us as we walk through that valley. I'd like to read something my dad has written. And I quote, I am humbled to share with each reader as he's writing about this, the amazing providence of Almighty God who provided, protected, and sustained me those days, and yes, even over the past 57 years. Often I reflect upon God's faithfulness to me, summarized in His Word through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Hast thou not known... 
Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faintest not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Isaiah 40 verses 28 through 29. And he goes on to say that I pray that my ordeal at sea will be a testimony of God's infinite grace and mercy to all who place their faith in him. End quote. Dear friends, it is so important to learn to walk patiently with God and to develop a calm heart even in the midst of adversity and how thankful we can be that God can help us to do that. For He has not given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7 but of power and love and discipline which means a self-controlled mind that is convinced of spiritual priorities. You know, we can develop a calm heart And the way we do that is by spending time with the shepherd. You know, there is a direct correlation between perseverance and knowledge. I want you to remember that. The more we know about the Almighty, the more we will trust Him, come what may. And child of God, I've got to say to you that faith never gets in a hurry. Faith never gets in a hurry. It's it's steadily and, and with unshakable confidence walks with God. It is patient. It is unafraid. Psalm 27.3, the psalmist says, Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Oh, how we must learn to wait upon the Lord. To wait upon our shepherd by humbly obeying his voice every step of the way. We must walk through the valley at the same steady pace as we walk down a country lane on a beautiful evening. Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Well, not only do we notice here in this text that the pilgrim must walk through the valley of the shadow, but notice that he walks with confident expectation, secondly. He says, even though I walk through the valley, not around it, not over it, not under it, but through it, even though often we might pray as our Lord did in Gethsemane, Abba, Father, All things are possible for thee. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. You see, a man of faith is utterly confident that the shepherd will see him through the valley. Through to the other side. Even if the other side is through the veil of mortal life. This is the very essence of the Christian life, dear friends. This is the hope of glory. The prize that Paul spoke about in Philippians 3.14, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I ask you, have you ever seen the Lord somehow abandon you in the midst of the valley and just leave you there? Well, may it never be. And it will never be. 
Oh yes, the valley may produce groaning. Romans 8 tells us that. And even we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, or in other words, as believers, even we ourselves groan inwardly. We're waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. That text goes on to say, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance... We wait eagerly for it. You see, a man of faith sees trouble approaching and looks bravely through it to the other side. This is the character of a sound mind. One who is confident, who is expectant of God's blessing, come what may. One who knows that even the valley is one that the Good Shepherd has ordained for His glory and for our good. He is confident that, as 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God will not allow him to be tempted beyond what he is able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that he may be able to endure it. I love that verse. Well, with these great and powerful truths motivating every step, naturally the pilgrim will thirdly walk without fear. Notice that he walks through this valley without fear. You see, a man of faith refuses to be controlled by fear. And that is literally a choice, dear friends, that you must make. Because there will always be circumstances in life that will tend to intimidate you and paralyze you with fear. Whether it be some bully in your life, or some difficulty, some sickness, some tragedy that you must face. And you must simply choose not to be afraid. But you cannot do that unless you have the proper perspective of the goodness and the sovereignty of the shepherd. A man of faith renounces fear and announces victory. Why? Because thou art with me. That's the key. Child of God, how blessed is the soul that, that finds strength in the Almighty. Thou art with me. You see, a man of faith knows who stands with him. It is the Lord of hosts. I've had numerous encounters with grizzly bears over the years in my mountain experiences in the wilderness. And some of those experiences were, were times where I was unarmed. Other times, I've had them when I only had a bow and arrow. And then there were those other times where I had my Weatherby 300 Magnum and a 44 strapped to my hip. Now, I ask you, which experiences do you think would elicit the most fear? And which ones do you think would elicit the most bravery? Well, obvious. When I've got that high-powered rifle, my attitude is, come on, Grizz, make my day. But when I'm unarmed, all I've got is a bow, it's like, oh, Lord, help me live through this day. That's the difference. Well, I think you get the point, dear friends. Confidence comes with power. And there is no greater power in the universe than the source of power itself, which is the Lord God of hosts. And dear friends, He is our shepherd. That's why the psalmist could say, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
David described him in 2 Samuel 6 as the Lord God of hosts who is enthroned above the cherubim. And in Psalm 24.10, he asks the question, Who is this King of glory? And he answers it and says, The Lord of hosts, He is the King of glory. David undoubtedly reflected upon these marvelous truths that had given him such enormous courage in years past as he is now fleeing into the wilderness from the armies of his own son, Absalom. My dear friends, how tragic it is to watch people cower to toothless tigers. To somehow cave in to those unnecessary fears that reduce us to sniveling, whining, thumb-sucking Christianettes. What a pitiful thing. Some bully tries to intimidate you or some difficulty comes into your life. Some relationship doesn't work. Or some scoffer ridicules you when you try to share the glorious news of the Gospel of Christ. And what do we do? Oh, we turn tail and run like a scalded dog with his tail tucked between his legs. What does that say about our faith? What does that communicate to a lost and dying world about the sufficiency of Christ and the power of the Lord we claim to worship? Can we really be able to say, oh, indeed, He is my rock and my redeemer and my refuge and my deliverer, my shield, my king, my savior? Now, I'll tell you what it says, dear friends, and you want to remember this. When you cave in to life in fear, it basically says that my faith is small and so too is my God. What a tragedy! Dear friends, it's important for you to bear in mind, whatever your valley, it is only a valley, now catch this, of the shadow of death. Why be afraid of a shadow? My, think of the thousands of hideous horrors we concoct in our own imaginations. Things that aren't even there. Phantoms of fears. Ghosts of our own making. And then we catastrophize, even in our own heart, oh, nobody likes me anymore. Oh, my life is over. Oh, my testimony is ruined forever. Oh, I am a failure. Oh, I'm going to die. And my goodness, by the time it's over with, you might as well just go shoot yourself. It's a pitiful thing that we do. But not so with the psalmist. He has resolutely decided to fear no evil. Very clear. You know, I fear that too often we give in to other people. We fear them. Proverbs says the fear of man is a snare. How true that is. We give way too much power to bullies and abusive people in our life. You know, I'm reminded of Psalm 56 where again David reminds us of the power that he has in the Lord of hosts. He says in that context, he, by the way, the, the, the Philistines are after him and Saul is after him and he's afraid. And, and he says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in thee. And he says, in God, whose word I praise, in God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Wonderful text. Who ever heard of being afraid of a shadow. 
Dear friends, I would remind you, have you ever heard of a shadow bearing a sword and inflicting a mortal blow? Whoever heard of a shadow conquering a soul? Whoever heard of a shadow reducing a man into a heap of tears and despair whose faith is anchored in the Gibraltar of divine omnipotence? Who's ever heard of that? Doesn't happen. No, dear friends, our shepherd leads us into and through the valley. He alone is the one that we should fear, not the shadow. And think, a shadow cannot exist unless there is light. It is so easy to lose sight of the light of God's glory, especially when we're in the valley. To lose sight of the light of God's glory that shines over the horizon of the mountain peaks that will sometimes cast a shadow of darkness in the valley below. Spurgeon said it so well, and I quote, Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel. And the light of heaven shining upon us throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is light beyond. See, that's the point. And I will close with this thought. One of the things that struck me when I was in the land of Israel is in the museums, and I've even got some friends that have these little vials, you will find little, they look like glass. There's something like glass that they had back then. They were little vials that people would use to catch their tears. And they would put a little cork in those vials, knowing that the Lord captures all of their tears, sees all of their tears, knows of their anguish. In fact, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 56, verse 8, Thou hast taken account of my wanderings and put my tears in thy bottle. Dear friends, never allow your heart to convince you that the shepherd has somehow abandoned you. That somehow in the midst of the valley that he's indifferent or uncaring or unloving because nothing could be further from the truth. Instead, when difficulties come your way, and ah, they will, allow these profound truths that we've looked at thus far to flood your soul. Calmly walk through the valley with a bold confidence, expecting the glories that await you on the other side. Fully certain that the shepherd is walking with you every step of the way. And as a result, you will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I close with this verse. And may our hearts resonate its truth as we leave here today. In Isaiah 12, verse 2, the prophet says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You again for the magnificent truths of Your Word. May they find lodging in our hearts, and may they sustain us in the midst of the valleys that You will inevitably ask us to walk through. Lord, may You be glorified as we respond to even the trials in life with joy 
and with a confident hope. And Lord, may our perseverance in the midst of difficulty be a reflection of Your glory and goodness that's available to all if they would but place their faith in You. And Lord, if there be one here today that knows You not as Savior, that knows nothing of the confident assurance that they can have because of the presence of the Good Shepherd, Lord, I pray that today will be the day that they confess their sin and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for their sin that they too may experience the miracle of the new birth. Lord, we just commit them to You. Thank You for this time of worship. Thank You for speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. We pray you've been edified by this presentation. You've been listening to pastor, Bible teacher, and author David Harrell. For more information, or to order additional tapes or CDs of Pastor Harold's messages, please visit olivetreeresources.org.